This episode goes out to one person and one person only. That is CD Lamb. Shout out CD Lamb. That brother brought me home a title when everyone else on my team failed. Tyler in the championship, there was one man who dropped the 40 burger. And it was that man, CD Lamb. <laughs> Welcome in to another episode of the Fantasy Football Fellows Podcast. I am sorry, Tyler. I had to take advantage of the opportunity now that you are here on the mic with me. I did prevail champion in our Dynasty League. And in large part, it's mostly because of CD Lamb. Everyone else in our matchup was terrible. I I put up 180 against Cam. I couldn't even crack 100 against Lucas. Like, that's I unlucky. That's unfortunate. But guess what? That's how fantasy football goes sometimes. Okay? And sometimes you just got to hope that at the end of the day, your players come through, and sometimes they don't. And then sometimes you go up against an Amari Cooper in the semis, or you go up against a CeeDee Lamb in the championship. And, uh... You just got to roll with the punches, I guess. Sounds like a coaching issue. Didn't get your guys hyped up. Couldn't live up to the moment. Well, here's the thing, okay? I'm trying to hype up Tony Pollard, (laughs) but guess who actually listened? It was George Pickens. How does that work? How does that work? I don't, I don't know. I give up at this George point. Pickens just just took him uh, whining all year to finally become fantasy relevant when uh, people needed him most, but uh, he could not be trusted. Uh, look, we got a lot to recap. Uh, fantasy championships in most leagues were this week. We we recognize there are some that are playing into week eighteen as well. We're going to hold off on doing any fantasy football awards until next week. But what we want to do on today's episode is we want to go back and we want to recap the top 10 lessons that we learned from the 2023 fantasy football season. It was a wild year. There was a lot to reflect upon. There's a lot that has happened and how the landscape will change next year. We want to recap all of that on today's episode. Before, we'll do a week 18 preview later in the week, but with most leagues under wraps at this point, We want to discuss the top 10 lessons that we learned. If you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel already, you're watching over on YouTube, make sure you subscribe, turn on those notifications over there. Same to the podcast. If you're listening to the audio version of this podcast, thanks for tuning in. Uh, Make sure you subscribe if you aren't already. Ty, uh, without further ado, why don't we dive on into the top 10 lessons, my goodness, we have learned from the 2023 fantasy football season. Can we get a counter on how many times I've botched up a transition this year in terms of like screwing up a word or like we need a producer to to go back and count all that. Jackson, you want to go back and uh, do all that for us? <laughs> well, you know how like everyone does the end of the year compilations of the highlights. We just need a highlight of Lucas botching all of his transitions. Same goofy sentences, phrases that don't even make sense. Mixing up letters. Tessins. <laughs> Top 10 Tessins. <laughs> Top 10 Teslas uh, from uh, the time Elon Musk created Tesla. Uh, let's let's dive on into the top 10 lessons learned from 2023, Ty. Uh, as I mentioned, there is so much that we can discuss here. We have to cover a lot in this episode. Uh, and there are a lot of things that we have learned from this year that we better make sure we remember going into next season. Uh, and I think your first one is something that I I try to be more on top of the ball of this year. 
But yet, admittedly, I think it impacted certain players more than most for me. Uh, but what was your first lesson learned from the 2023 fantasy football season? That we can't and should not discount players that we know are going to miss time at the beginning of the season or are going later in drafts because there's a potential that they could miss time because of an injury or something else along those lines. Just some five players, right? Just off the top of my head. I shouldn't say off the top of my head. They're literally right in front of me. But like the most the most uh, successful names this year in fantasy football, all were going later in drafts this year because they were going to miss time or there was a fear of missed time. Raheem Mostert, the running back three on the year. Everyone thought, oh, he's always injured and he's getting up there in age. So he was going outside the top 40 running backs at draft time. You look at Jonathan Taylor. He was holding out because he wasn't getting his extension. And he was going outside the top 15 running backs. And at this point now, even with the missed time that he has had with his, I think it was his hand injury, he's the running back 15 in fantasy points per game. And in a year just of very few running backs, you could have, you could have, use that for your team this year. Alvin Kamara. Go ahead. I was saying you also had, you know, the first what three weeks that they like eased him back in after holdouts as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he might be running back 15 of fantasy points per game, but uh, I I would go back and check from what he was out. The first three took the first three. So like from week seven on, if he was any higher than that. um, Yeah. Cause you have to, cause, cause you can't forget his snap counts were significantly lower when he first came back anyways, but he's one where, yeah, at the end of the third round, that one might be a little bit of an exception because you're like, I don't know if he's going to play the whole year or not. But at the same time, in a year where running back production was so thin, uh, you know, all of a sudden you know, you're looking at even running back 15, like you said, that's something that you probably could have used on your roster, you know, at the end of the third round where he was going in 12 man leagues and even afterwards. Right. I mean, the 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 point I'll get to at the end of this is really just that these guys were going later than they needed to, or I shouldn't say needed to, where they eventually produced at, right? You can still get solid players around those positions because those guys are going later that you can kind of, you know, hedge your bet a little bit in that case if they don't pan out, right? Like Alvin Kamara, for, you know, we knew that he was going to miss three games, but let's say he was going to miss half the season, right? The guy's been there running back three in fantasy points per game since he came back. Mike Evans, probably the wide receiver hero of the year, to be completely honest. He met, you know, there was a potential that he wasn't going to play because of a failed extension, all that kind of stuff. Keaton Allen, even too, right? He's missed the last three games. He's still the wide receiver six on the year. And he was going later because everyone's like, oh, he's going to, you know, he's had an injury history. He's getting up there in age. He's going to fall off. Well, it didn't happen. Right. So the point being, right, the lesson to be learned here, take the chance, take the chance, because the payoff far more outweighs the downside of that play of that player not playing, you know, for however long they are out for. And I feel like we get caught into the injury narrative then of that as well. Like you even go back and look at Keenan Allen. People are like, oh, he's made a glass. He's always on the injury report. But the reality was that he he actually wasn't injured all that often. Uh, or he didn't miss games all that often. This was the first time he had missed games, correct me if I'm wrong, in the last four years. He had played a full 16, 17 games uh, in each of the last four years prior to this year, if I'm not mistaken. I don't I don't have the number off the top of my head, but I remember prior to the season. He had played. You, you, you have the number. 
so he in 2022 he played 10 games but before that he had played four full seasons before his last five and now this he was on track to play and i'm not gonna say a free last four yeah like the chargers don't need him to come back so now he's missing probably more games than he probably needs to right if they're if they're contending for the playoffs i think we see keenan allen make a push to come back but this team is going nowhere fast why not just take the better draft capital right so uh no i i 100 agree with that I was in on Alvin Kamara this year at cost because, look, I know it was it was tough sledding last year, but I thought they were going to find a different way to get him more involved this year. And wouldn't you know, he's been absolutely dominant second half of the season. I, I shotgun the Dolphins running backs. One of these dudes is going to pan out and pay off at ADP. Raheem Mostert did. Like, right, like, at some point, we can't get too caught up in the injury risk because as we learned this year, injury is still unpredictable incredibly unpredictable. Nobody thought Nick Chubb was going to get injured this year. He did. The amount of quarterback injuries, Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, Anthony, it's all unpredictable. We can't predict it. So I think you're right. We have to be cautious on how much we discount these people based on potential missed time and injuries because these players that we're talking about, man, their upside far outweighs any possibility of missed time. Keenan Allen's a wide receiver six this year. I we're, we're still going to be right on cost at ADP on him, even though he's missed the last four games of the season. That's just crazy. Crazy. Uh, I'll get into to my first takeaway. Um, how do I put this nicely, Ty? Uh, Arthur Smith sucks. Okay, that that's my first that's my first uh, lesson learned here. Right? We all thought. Look, after drafting the most talented running back prospect we have seen since Saquon Barkley with the eighth overall pick in the NFL draft. Oh, there's no way Arthur Smith can screw this up, right? He's got his Derrick Henry from Tennessee. That dude found a way to screw it up. I I don't know how, but Arthur Smith proved exactly what we knew him to be, right? You look at 2022, Drake London, Kyle Pitts, where everyone's like, what are we doing, Arthur Smith? Uh, Drake London finished as a wide receiver 31. Kyle Pitts finished as the tight end 33. That was only in 10 games. But uh, if you recall last year, nobody was happy with Arthur Smith last year either in his usage of those two players. Okay. Well, he got his guy. You know, they got to fix things this year, right? You look at their ADPs. Bijan, the running back four, being drafted eighth overall in most drafts this year. Drake London, the wide receiver 26. Kyle Pitts. Yeah, they're going to get back on track this year with Kyle Pitts, the tight end six. But where do they finish? <laughs> Bijan, the running back 12. And oh my gosh, if I see another Tyler Algier dominated day from Arthur Smith, I will need to be admitted into like a psychiatric clinic because I'm going to go insane. Drake London finished as a wide receiver 30, he, 36. He finished lower than he did last year. I need a house. I need that Kanye West houseway drop in here because... That's how I feel about that. And Kyle Pitts finished as a tight end 14. Now, what's terrible is that it sounds like Arthur Smith is going to keep his job as the Falcons head coach. I can't believe it. So my lesson learned here, look, basically my lesson learned is that I will never, ever draft another player coached by Arthur Smith. Matthew Berry, the infamous Matthew Berry, put a video out where he said the exact same thing. I will never, ever draft a player 
that is on a team with Arthur Smith coaching. He could be like, I, he, they, he could play for the Ottawa Senators. I don't care. I'm not drafting a forward or a wing on the Ottawa Senators. And and I agree 100% with Matthew Berry. Uh, I will never draft a player that plays under Arthur Smith again because it is the headache of all headaches. The weeks you want to be able to trust him, you can't. And the weeks you think you can't, actually you should have. It's a nightmare. Arthur Smith absolutely stinks. That is my first lesson learned from 2023. I feel vindicated at this point. That's I we've we've all had an opinion about Arthur Smith this year in some way, shape, or form. I've probably been the most frustrated, the most angry between the three of us because I was the one that was most uh how do I say this? I was the most Drake London's e- number one fan. <laughs> yeah. You know, emotionally like attached to this Falcons team doing well. And I don't, I'm just going to say it. It makes no sense that he's keeping his job. The team is winning. <laughs> Despite Arthur Smith, putting them in horrible situations to win games. Right. And if anything, been the defense and the defense just let up 37 points to Chicago. I was just going to say, you said they keep winning, but they just got pounded by Chicago. I think that says more about where Arthur Smith should be at the end of this year, but it's not looking very likely according to reports. Everybody. (laughs) I just, I can't believe that. My thing for Drake London, at, at least for Drake London, I should say, and this probably could have been the same argument to be used for like Kyle Pitts even, that talent should win out at the end of the day, right? Yeah, it should. Somehow, some way, an NFL coach can just take a dagger and just stab it like right through the right through the chest of it, and just say like, "Yeah, except for me." And I'm yeah, like <laughs> these guys. The that's I know this is a fantasy football thing. There's been no development from either of those two guys in this offense ever since they came. I I'm done talking about it because I'm just going to get all wound up and stuff. Yes. Arthur Smith sucks at his job and he needs to get out of town. I wouldn't say he sucks at his job. He sucks for fantasy football. We hate him in the fantasy football realm, but I know he doesn't care about us. He's made that very clear multiple times this year. He does not care about the fantasy football realm at I'll tie all, but kick it back to you now. What is your second biggest lesson learned from 2023? The third one of this episode. So this lesson, I think I could have made it a bit more pessimistic, but I, I, I opted to go the more optimistic route. Um, There's a changing of the guard at the tight end position in fantasy football. And this is kind of something that I personally want to do kind of a deep study on this off season, right. And see the tight end position is so curious to me because we've got guys like Travis Kelsey and TJ Hawkinson who, who are key components to the passing attack in their offense. We've got guys like George Kittle, Mark Andrews who do it all. But now we have these young guys coming in. We've got the Sam Laportas. We've got the Trey McBrides. We've then got guys that are still on the younger side in emerging offense, I shouldn't say emerging offenses, but Cole Komet, he's still 24. Did you know that? He's 24 years old. He's the same Twice age on as my dynasty Ferguson. Team. Hey, stop yeah, it. Championship okay. we, winning dynasty team. We don't need to go back there. Okay. Cole Komet, 
Jake Ferguson, Dalton Kincaid, all of these guys, they could be top 10 tight ends by draft time next year. And the, the, the weird part is that it makes more sense for them to be than to not be right. So if we are adding in all these young guys into this top 10 tattoo, I completely forgot about guys like Evan Ingram, David and Joe, right. those guys are going to be top 10 as well. So what does that mean then for the old guard, right? Your Travis Kelsey, TJ Hawkinson, George Kittle, Mark Andrews, the guys that had been, Andrews, have been the, right. the bona fide tight ends, the, the bona fide top three, top five option at tight end. <laughs> They're probably not going to be bona fide anymore, but they're still going to be solid options at the tight end spot because even if they're averaging 10 fantasy points a game, right, because of age or whatever reason, that's still likely a top 10, top 12 tight end. That's at least what we've seen this year. Obviously, we want to shoot for the top end of players when it comes to our teams and stuff. So they'll still have it, but they will still have a place in all that. But the lesson to be learned here is that this position will look very, very different next year. We will not see a tight end go in the first round of drafts this year. We're not, I don't, we're probably going to see only two tight ends go in the top three rounds, maybe top four rounds, even because TJ Hawkinson's going to miss time. It's there is, it's going to be very different with tight ends next year. And, uh, <laughs> I feel like it's going to be harder to, to like, like get the guy that is going to be a top five, top seven option, because that really is a game changer for your fantasy team. You think there's only two or three that are going to go in the first four rounds. I think Sam Laporte is going to be an early second round pick next year, and I'm going to be so out on his ADP. I think I, I, I think people are so hot bothered by Sam Laporte. Rightfully, the dude's been awesome, right? He is talented. He's in a great offense. First year, rookie tight ends never have these years. We'll touch on that a little bit later. But rookie tight ends aren't supposed to do this. So the fact that he's already 10 steps ahead of the game and he's already performing like a you know four or five year vet in the league, people are going to be ready. Nope, he's tight end one over Travis Kelsey from Mark Andrews over these guys who have rightfully held their place because of the season that he just had. And I think people are going to get all giddy to draft him in the early second round. I think he's going to be an early one. You're still going to have Travis Kelsey in that mix. I think people are going to say, you know what? Yeah, it was a down year, but I don't think we can count Travis Kelsey out just yet. Like He's going to be very, very Derek Henry-esque this year, right? Next year, right? Where Derek Henry is kind of that borderline, you know, middle second round pick. I think people are going to see Travis Kelsey right in that realm of, you know, we can't count him out yet. It was no TJ Hawkinson. I don't think I really want to take Evan Ingram, right? I think there's still going to be plenty of tight ends taken in the you know, first three rounds. There's probably going to be four taken in the first three rounds. And I'm telling you right now, Sam Laporta's ADP is going to be way too rich for me because I just don't think there's going to be that gap at the tight end position. But that's also because these young emerging rookie tight ends are are making their way up. I think it just makes the entire tight end, tight end landscape completely murky as Ty is now in the dark. He lost, lost the light there. He lost oh, a light. What? Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> man. What was that? Right out of it and blinded him. God said, let there be light. Boom. In my face. Jeez, Louise. I'm back. Anyway, <laughs> the tight end landscape is shifting, though. I 100% agree with that. And I think it's going to show in drafts next year. 
Yeah. And in and, and the other part of this, too, is I think tight ends have a very or a, a big piece of the tight end puzzle is the coaches. That's a point I'll get to later. Sure. But, you know, at least with Sam Laporta, it, there are some there are some variables that I think will need to go that need to fall into place for Laporta to go in those top two. But at the same time, people can uh, can reach in drafts all the time. And I, it wouldn't surprise me either if he goes that early. We'll keep it moving here. We'll get to the fourth lesson learned from the 2023 fantasy football season. My second one, and this is something that I feel like I have been preaching this year more than ever. Uh, maybe not directly on this on this podcast, but intermittently I've mixed it in. Look, your handcuff running backs matter. They absolutely matter. In my waiver wire stash videos that I make over at Fantasy Pros, if you see me outside of just here on the Fantasy Football Fellows and over on Fantasy Pros, that's why I do I do content for them. I contribute over there a little bit. Uh, I always make sure to focus two uh, of my running back stashes of the week on handcuffs specifically. And the most common piece of negative feedback I always see on those videos is, or you could just roster guys that actually play. So, okay, so tell me this then. So what happens then when running backs like Nick Chubb, Jonathan Taylor, Ramondre Stevenson, Josh Jacobs, Isaiah Pacheco, J.K. Dobbins, and Miles Sanders, what happens when they all get injured? Or, or let's even pretend what, what happens when, when guys like Cam Akers get traded or are, are borderline being put in the doghouse. What happens then? Who plays then? We saw so many relevant backup running backs this year, more this year than in previous years that I can remember. Jerome Ford, Zach Moss, Gus Edwards, Ezekiel Elliott, Zamir White, Chuba Hubbard, all of them. All of them were relevant at one point or another. You can even throw Keaton Mitchell on here if you want to. Like, all of these guys were relevant at one point or another this season. So instead of losing your stud back for this season and then going on a four to five game skid, or I should say, or going on a four to five game skid, if, you know, a Saquon Barkley, he missed four weeks earlier and three weeks earlier in the season. If you lost three games because you were missing Saquon Barkley, you know, that that's playoff altering there. That's playoff altering. So instead of worrying about that, you can have these handcuffs ready to go who are going to give you, you know, 13, 14, 15 points a week. They probably don't have the 40-point upside, you know, like the Nick Chubbs and the Saquon Barkleys do where they can just run wild and score multiple touchdowns. But you know what? Those handcuff running backs can save your season. And that was applicable more than ever this year. So do not underestimate the value of, of a handcuff running back in fantasy football. Because if you don't have them on your team, they're just free waiver wire ads for somebody else that they don't have to fight you for later when you're going to the waiver wire. So I think this year, handcuff running backs are more prevalent than ever. And frankly, like we saw Elijah Mitchell this last week when Chris McCaffrey left the game with a hip injury. Elijah Mitchell was the man. And what did he score? 15 plus in mm-hmm. one half of football against the commanders? Yep. He had 17, I want like, to say. That sounds about right. Like, do not underestimate the value of a handcuff running back because they truly can salvage your season. And I think we have to keep that in mind going forward, especially with how many injuries there were to the running back position this year and with how unpredictable they are as well. 
I think I've said my piece on that. I talked for like three minutes straight about that, but it's a point that I really want to hammer home because I think it's so prevalent. I think too many people are like, nah, I just want dudes who can play. You can only start so many players. Like you can only start so many of them. You can't start everybody on your team. So at some point you have to get a little bit strategic and look at those handcuff running backs, I believe. So my, I've always wondered this about handcuff running backs because I think a lot of people will say, hey, you should grab the handcuff running back for one of your elite running backs, and I would tend to agree with that. But part of me is wondering, like, well, what if you get, is there more value in the handcuff for the starter that is barely holding on to the job or for the guy right. that is, like, like set in stone in their job, right? And I think both have, you know, both, you know, again, we're talking about the umbrella of handcuff running back. They are all valuable in some way, shape, or form. Right. But if you're looking for guys that can produce, you're kind of missing out on, on at least the insurance that you get with these handcuff running backs. And maybe, maybe you find a guy like Ty Chandler who is actually getting ramped or, you know, getting his usage ramped up week by week. Right. right? That's, that's where you can really set yourself apart from everyone else. Like you look back on it, I, Miles Sanders. I think a lot of people were excited for Miles Sanders, and while he wasn't like a stud back, it's important enough on your roster probably. Where you know what, if you would have had Chuba Hubbard at the end of your bench, wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world. So it's like, why are we taking shots on Rondale Moore? You know, pity me for being in on Rondale Moore this year. You wanted Rondale. I did this year. I did want Rondale this year, but why are we taking shots on him when? They could have had Chuba Hubbard in the 15th round instead, right? Like, like these are insurance policies that I think we just, just cannot undervalue. And, and you even want to talk about Devon Achan as a handcuff running back to Raheem Mostert, who had standalone value. Like to me, you just cannot undervalue the, the power of a handcuff because a lot of those guys, you know what, if you didn't have them on your team, they went out and they helped other members in your league probably win win their weeks, if not the league that you are in with them. Ty, let's uh we'll take a quick break. We'll get back with the final six lessons learned from the 2023 fantasy football season. Today's podcast episode is brought to you by our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. Now, we love Underdog. It is the easiest place to play best ball formats, and they even have their own form of player props called Pick'em. You can make up to 20 times your money on a single night by correlating props together. Two picks will triple your money, three will six times it, four will ten times it, and five plays that all hit will multiply your entry by 20. You can even place insurance on your picks too, so if only four of your five props hit, you still get ten times your entry. And if you use our code FELLOWS when signing up, Underdog is going to double your first deposit up to $100. we are back we are going to wrap up the top 10 lessons learned from the 2023 fantasy football season so far we have talked about uh not discounting missed time or potential missed time the injury risk of players we have talked about arthur smith boo boo <laughs> Uh, the, we talked about the changing of guard at tight ends and, and the importance of handcuff running backs in fantasy football. Ty, this next one I think is interesting. I think it's something that a lot of people we want to think we take into consideration at the start of the year, but sometimes I think we evaluate it incorrectly. So what is 
the fifth lesson learned from the fantasy football season and your third lesson learned. Coaching changes matter. And, and we it, say this. We, we we know this is important, but like I said, I think we continue. I think I think we have a tendency to misevaluate them sometimes, or we tend to see them with rose-colored glasses too much. Yes. And 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 I literally in my notes, like we blank matters is kind of a staple on our podcast, right? Situation matters. Draft capital matters. Team personnel. CD Lamb matters. Oh, boo. Get out of here. Stop that. Jeez. <laughs> I'm still not over it. I muted um, myself for you, so keep going. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but coaches and coaching changes matter also. And, you know, we, we can look at, you know, I think one of the most popular, I shouldn't say popular, but the, the, the one coaching change that comes to mind right away is the Kellen Moore change from Dallas to LA. And everyone was saying, um, you know, if it's a big loss for, if it's a huge ad for the chargers, it's a huge loss for Dallas. And I think that was Andy Holloway who was saying it on the fantasy footballers. That is in the right spirit of what I'm trying to say. Obviously it didn't really like work out that way based on how the teams performed this year, but, Again, it's in the right mindset of things. I mean, let's take a look at Shane Steichen going to Indianapolis, right? Indy on the year is now 13th in offensive DVOA, which just measures efficiency and all that kind of stuff, which is a really good metric for where they were a couple of years ago. Um, but he's helped guys like Michael Pittman, Jr., JT, Zach Moss, Josh Downs, even Anthony Richardson, all of them have been fantasy relevant at some point or another this season because of the system and the scheme and the coaching of Sean of Shane Sykin. And you look at where he came from, Philadelphia. And you could watch a game on Sunday and just go, there's something missing in that offense. And that and that thing that's missing is Shane Sykin, right? Jalen Hurts has been great. AJ Brown has been great. Well, you know except for the last couple of weeks, but we are constantly scratching our heads. Then still, I should say between with Deandre Swift, with Devonte Smith, with Dallas Goddard, even right. That mattered for Philly. And you can see it now. Another example, Dave Canal is going to Tampa Bay to be their offensive coordinator, leaving Seattle as the quarterback's coach, right? Look at what Baker Mayfield has done this year. He's the quarterback nine on the year, 64.4 completion percentage, 3,900 yards, 28 touchdowns, career highs, and he's now pretty much locked himself into becoming the franchise quarterback for Tampa at this point. Mike Evans, Rashad White, studs this year. Look, it's what, look, look at what's happened in Seattle. Geno Smith, the quarterback 19, right? Last one, just, you know, because both were great for one team. How about Eric Bieniemy going to Washington? Okay, this this one I think is I think this one got everybody. This one got everybody right, and and it, it wasn't like Bieniemy made a huge difference in Washington. Now there was a stretch of games where I mean Sam Howell was one of the hottest quarterbacks in fantasy football because he was finishing top ten week in and week out. Brian Robinson had also a couple of good games, but look at what's happening in Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes. 
the quarterback one in drafts this year is now officially the quarterback 13 in fantasy points per game on the year. Kelsey has had a down year. There is zero creativity in that Kansas city offense. So going into next year, we need to pay attention as to who's leaving and who's coming in when it comes to coaches. One that comes to mind right away. And because this is the one that kind of brought this up earlier, Sam Laporta, what happens to Sam Laporta? What happens to Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery? If Ben Johnson leaves, right? Like I would even, I would even say when I think, right. I think it's be really hard to not hire Ben Johnson this off season. Right. And, and so then that's the first part of it. But then the second part is who do they bring in instead? Right. So, um, coaching changes matter when it comes to fantasy football and the outlook of some players and stuff. And I, we need to consider those, I think a little more often and a little more frequently when we're talking about players and previewing teams and, you know, talking about, you know, ceilings and expectations for guys next year. And, and even not just the teams that they're going to, but the teams that they are leaving behind Yep. as well. Now, I think the exception to the Kelvin Moore one that you brought up, especially, well, okay, what, what in the world happened in Dallas? And I thought Mike McCarthy was going to be more of a run guy. Now here we are. It's Dak Prescott, CD Lamb, airing it out, mm-hmm. you know, thriving. Um, so I think there's like an exception there. So, so I think there's like a grain of like, we don't want to just be like, oh, he, he's gone. All, everything's going to be bad. Like, that's not what we're saying. But like, there's a, a broader picture that we have to look at that isn't just Eric Bieniemy to the Washington Commanders, but it's actually the Kansas City Chiefs without Eric Bieniemy and what he brought to that team. I think we just have to look at it with a more holistic picture instead of just looking at, all right, this one team, they hired somebody new. What's going to happen? Uh, and then when we get to the other team, like the Chiefs, not acknowledging, you know what, Eric bieniemy has gone. Yeah, Andy Reid does a majority of the offensive scheming there, but you know what kind of a role did Eric Bieniemy play? We'll find out. It's worth at least asking that question of will things change? And the answer is yes, things likely will change. We'll keep it moving. Keeping it moving. Sixth takeaway from the 2023 fantasy football season. This is my personal favorite. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Did not have time to hit the mute button there to cough. Um, it is never a bad strategy to wait on drafting a quarterback. I got fooled into that this year. I really did. I really did. I'll get to that in a second, but I want to first run through. I want to do an exercise. The top 10 quarterbacks drafted in fantasy football drafts this year were as follows. Patrick Mahomes at one, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott. Those were your top 10 quarterbacks drafted. Now, these are your top 10 quarterbacks at the end of the 2023 fantasy football season after week 17. Josh Allen is your quarterback one, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott at quarterback four. Jordan Love at quarterback five. Brock Purdy, quarterback six. Patrick Mahomes, quarterback seven. Jared Goff. Baker Mayfield, quarterback nine. And Tua Tagovailoa at quarterback ten. Now, did injuries play a part of that, Tyler? Yes, of course they did. We lost Justin Herbert. We lost Joe Burrow. Justin Herbert was a top five quarterback up until his injury. So there's a little bit of nuance to this list. You know, maybe we look at fantasy points per game more than actual, you know, fancy points from your quarterback. But at the same time, you look at where 
guys like Love, Purdy, Goff, Baker were taken. Love was being drafted as a quarterback 26. Purdy as a quarterback 19. Goff as a quarterback 17. Baker Mayfield, the quarterback 31. You even look at guys like C.J. Stroud, who missed two games. Still played great this year. Borderline top 12 guy. He was drafted as a quarterback 24. And what if Anthony Richardson played the entire season? He was extremely relevant the first four weeks. He's being drafted as a quarterback 16. They were all relevant at one point or another. We fell into this this narrative of, oh, we got to grab one of these studs. That mentality of, I got to get one of the good ones. And that drove up the ADP of all these quarterbacks. I've taken a quarterback earlier in drafts this year than I ever have before. I had always been a proponent of, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait to try and find the Josh Allen, the Lamar Jackson, the Daniel Jones a year's pass that I can get, you know, the 10th, 12th round of my fantasy drafts. But this year, this year, ah, you know what? There's so many good ones. So you better get your hands on the best ones because they're the ones that are truly going to have the edge. That wasn't the case at all this year. You could have, you could have putzed your way through the year, Ty, with a guy like CJ Stroud as your quarterback one and won your league with Joe Flacco. I'd like uh, off the streets. That's enough set. That's enough set. Like you can wait on drafting a quarterback. Your team is not contingent on how early you draft a quarterback. Rather, I think you put your team at a higher risk. The earlier you take a quarterback, unless if their name turns out to be Josh Allen or Jalen hurts because Patrick Mahomes is going at the one, two turn this year. And by gosh, that might be one of the worst draft picks of the year. Everyone has everyone is enthralled with the rushing quarterback, right? The quarterbacks that can use their legs and stuff like that. But you know what actually really makes a difference? Rushing touchdowns. Not I didn't even bring yards. up Kirk Cousins, by the way. Sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean jump in on that. I didn't even bring up Kirk Cousins. He had nothing to do with rushing ability, but that right. dude was playing at a borderline MVP level before he got injured. Aaron Rodgers, another one, right? Like continue. Rushing touchdowns are the premium, not rushing yards when it comes to quarterbacks. And because of guys like Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts going up in ADP because everyone's looking for the rushing touchdowns, we saw Patrick Mahomes go up. We saw Lamar Jackson go up. All those guys that went up in ADP. You don't get penalized for having a game manager as your quarterback in fantasy football. Brock Purdy, Jared Goff, Baker Mayfield, Kirk Cousins, all those guys before they got hurt were giving you before some of them got hurt. They were giving you solid fantasy performances. Now we've seen guys like Baker come on late and we've seen an up and down season with for a guy like Jared Goff, right? But for the price that you're paying at for those guys at those at, in drafts, you likely have another quarterback on your roster or someone that you can stream if you're not confident in the other. So, I'm I'm completely with you. I I you know, it, very few times will I find myself taking an early quarterback. I will only do it if it's Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts because you know that their rushing upside is touchdowns and it is not just a volume thing for them. I mean, I just think of all the different depth pieces you you could have added to your team. And now I get, I get it. Some of those guys that you could have drafted instead of a Fields, uh, Lawrence, uh, you know, whoever, you know, the sixth, seventh round of your drafts, they didn't pan out either. I'd rather be taking swings on those guys, though, because I got more positions to fill there than I do the quarterback in a single quarterback league. You know what I mean? And in a super flex league, all the all the top-tier quarterbacks are going in the first round anyways. 
So in a single quarterback league, I'd much rather take swings on guys who I need to fill more positions for than a guy who, you know what, he might not be Patrick Mahomes, but you know, if I can get uh, you know, Tyreek Hill, Amon Ra, Keenan Allen, DJ Moore as my four wide receivers, and then you know, continue to shotgun running backs after that, however you want to mix all of them up, and then take a Brock Purdy in the 13th round of my draft. That would have that you would have had such a phenomenal team this year. Now I understand there's no way of predicting that, right? But at the same time, I don't think we can be scared off by oh, I don't have Justin Fields on my team. Crap, am I gonna get the the, the added premium that you mentioned, Ty, of of rushing yards? I do think they are a bit of a premium, but not as much as rushing touchdowns. I agree with you there. Like, am I gonna miss out on that? What if it doesn't matter as as much as we want it to? What if it's okay to just wait on a quarterback? and get a different different advantage over your league mates, which is having a more full and complete roster while having a guy like Brock Purdy, Kirk Cousins, who can still dice a team up for 20 fantasy points on a given week. I think you can wait on drafting quarterbacks still. That is still prevalent. There's a multitude of ways to draft quarterback. I'm not going to say that's the only correct way, but it's still okay to wait on drafting a quarterback. We don't have to abide by this new... Got to get the good one with the rushing upside because I don't think it's as safe as we all want to believe it is. Lamar's been balling. Like the top three, you still see it's Hurts, Allen, Lamar. But after that, I I don't know if it matters as much as we want it to. Agreed. We'll move it, uh, move it on to the seventh lesson learned from 2023, Ty. Uh, and... Yeah, this this is a new one. I like that you brought this one up. I think this is one that we need to talk about, and it's extremely prevalent. Uh, so the seventh lesson learned from the 2023 fantasy football season is... We now have a wide receiver dead zone. And everyone know, I should say most people know what the running back dead zone is. That's running backs going anywhere from really the fourth round to the sixth round, maybe sometimes later. Those running backs typically just never pan out the way you want them to but wide receivers are now kind of creating their own little dead zone, I think. And especially after this year, I'm really, really intrigued to see if this has been a trend in the past and we've just never acknowledged it. But there's a specific range of wide receivers from at least this year from draft time that just disappointed in in some way, shape, or form. And it was the wide receivers you could get between 21 and 30. And I call, I'll just call them the wide receiver 20s. Okay. Wide receiver 21 at draft time was DeAndre Hopkins. Then Terry McLaurin, Christian Watson, Mike Williams, Drake London, Chris Godwin, Tyler Lockett, Jerry Judy, Brandon Ayuk, and Deontay Johnson. Ugh. That's such, yeah, a, ugh. It's such a gross list of names. It's a gross list of names. And the only one that panned out was Brandon Ayuk, right? But Let's let's break this down. DeAndre Hopkins, the wide receiver, twenty six on the year. So you're like, well, it wasn't really that bad. Ah, it was. Yeah, he's been kind of carried by like two or three different performances this year. He has right. eleven finishes outside the top twenty five, and in those games, he's averaging eight fantasy points in those games. Yikes! Scary Terry, wide receiver, 32, 12 fantasy points per game. Not what you signed up for. Christian Watson. Plagued by injuries this year, 11.3 fantasy points in the games that he played this year. Mike Williams, we lost him earlier this in the season. Drake London, not going down that rabbit trail. Chris Godwin, <laughs> 12 and a half fantasy points. 
Tyler Lockett, 11 and a half fantasy points. Jerry Judy, yikes. Brandon, I yeah, need the only uh, one. Yeah, you're welcome. Jerry Judy one, right? is my drink London for you. <laughs> and then Deontay Johnson, injuries, and then just Pittsburgh. <laughs> Some of these wide receivers, you know, these wide receivers really, really let us down this year. Here's some other wide receivers that outperform those, if not most of, if not some of. And uh, they went later than all of these guys. Mike Evans, Michael yeah. Pittman Jr., Jordan yeah. Addison, your lead, your, uh, well, league winner. League winner. Not really. <laughs> nah, not at this point, but it was a not fun thing at the beginning of the season. <laughs> Jordan was, Addison, Corlin Sutton. Zay Flowers, Adam Thielen, old man Adam Thielen, Nico Collins, <laughs> all of our undrafted guys, right? Our guys that were more than likely undrafted. Puka Nakua, Tank Dell, Rasheed Rice, Jaden Reed. All them rookie wide receivers, by the way. Anyway, what's the most common factor in the, in the 20s from the wide receivers in the 20s this year? They're either aging vets. DeAndre Hopkins, Tyler Lockett. They're wide receiver ones on bad offenses or what people predict to be bad offenses. Scary Terry, Drake London, Jerry Judy, Deontay Johnson, or DeAndre three. Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins, right? Or three, they got injured, right? And there's no way we could predict those. So it's probably a bit of unluckiness, but Mike Williams, Christian Watson. Okay. Right. Those are the parameters I'm going to be looking for next year when it comes to these, you know, when the, when the consensus wide receivers are being set, if some of these wide receivers are checking off those parameters in the twenties, you can <laughs> will be avoiding at all costs at that point. But with this change, right where the game is really now a passing league, and so now we're seeing fantasy football leagues be kind of run and dictated by quarterbacks and wide receivers and even tight ends to a certain extent. We are now going to find ourselves in, with a wide receiver dead zone, and we got to be careful to not take the. <laughs> you're going to have to take a wide receiver or a running back in the dead zone because they are pretty much like <laughs> they are aligned with each other. So either you got to like just try to choose the right one, or you just quit fantasy football altogether. So <laughs> all I'm saying is that it's going to get real ugly with wide receivers, at least in the middle rounds next year, I believe. And I think I think where we would typically see the running back dead zone in these rounds, I think that got pushed back a little bit this year. And so the values became easier to swallow. And we also had more hits in that this mm -hmm. year. Like you look at a James Cook, a Rashad White, like those guys smacked in the what would have been the running back dead zone. Um the, your dead zone this year was more the Damian Pierce's, the Miles Sanders. Um <laughs> there was like three other guys in that, you know, sixteen to twenty-two range. That's just like, oh my gosh, these guys did not pan out. But those guys afterwards, you know, the 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 running back, you know, 23 to 27, those got pushed down far enough this year where I think the values became easier to swallow. And frankly, we just had more hits. David Montgomery is another great example of, of a guy in that range as well who ended up paying off. But I think I think you brought up the biggest point there, Ty. If they are a wide receiver on a bad offense, I think we have to start evaluating. Which offenses do we want to target players from? And this is nothing new. I shouldn't say start. This is nothing new. This is just further emphasis on that, where this is the first year it feels like we've had a wide receiver dead zone. And the common thread is 
bad offenses, except for Brandon Ayuk, and he's been well above expectation this year. And that's because he's on debatably the best offense in the NFL right now. So draft guys on good offenses, especially in this dead zone. That's the way to navigate this. Just take the guys who are on good offenses. You can get cute and take your shots on different guys later where they're more appropriate at their ADP, but these guys who are in the the 20s, right? They're in the 20s because most of them aren't on good offenses and they aren't good enough to be in the top 20. It's exactly why they're in the 20s. So I like that you brought that up. I think that's 100% true. Let's keep it moving because we got to get through three more lessons learned in the next 10 minutes here. And I'll keep this one short and sweet because I think this one's very easy to, to digest. And I think it's one that that's going to remain applicable. I think people need to continuously hear year after year. Hit the waiver wire early and often in your fantasy football leagues. Don't wait until seven, week seven, week eight, week nine to get active on the waiver wire. Because you look at this year's waiver wire heroes, they were all guys you could have added within the first three weeks of the season, really. Puka Nakua. Immediately, first week afterwards, he was the hottest waiver wire pickup. I said to stash him before the regular season. Over on Fantasy Pros. Pat, my, pat myself on the back there. Uh, Kyron Williams. Yeah, you stash him after week one. You, you roster him after week one. Jerome Ford with the Nick Chubb injury. You, you go at him as soon as you can after week one. How about Nico Collins? He went undrafted in, in shallower leagues. Go pick him up after week one. Rasheed Rice. Stat line wasn't pretty in week one. He scored a touchdown, double-digit fantasy points. But then if, if you're like, eh, I don't know, we only had 29 yards, kind of got elevated by that touchdown. Well, then you would have picked him up after week three because he scored double-digit fantasy points. Again, he would have been in consideration. Zach Moss. He didn't play in week one, but that was because of injury, and you knew he was coming back. So whether it was post-week one or post-week two, he's another one. Tank Dell, post-week two, you were picking him up. Devon Achan, after his massive performance in week three, he was a hot waiver wire at. Jaden Reed, sneaky one. He didn't think I'd throw Jaden Reed in there, but I did. Uh, you would have picked him up after week three as well. All those guys I mentioned, they finished top 30 in fantasy points per game at their positions. And all of them, except for Jaden Reed and Rasheed Rice, finished top 25. You know, we're talking startable players. You know, top, you know, wide receiver one, running back one or two, on your team. So that's nearly 10 startable players that I named that you could have picked up in the first three weeks of the season. And many of them were true difference makers for your leagues. Puka Nakua, Kyron Williams, Devon Achan, Tank Dell when he was healthy, Nico Collins, Jerome Ford, Zach Moss was a difference maker before JT got back. Like these are guys who make a difference. So get them early and often. Don't be scared of burning up your fab too quickly if you're playing a fab league. Hit the waiver wire early and often because it, if you don't get them then, you're not going to get them later because they're going to turn out to be studs. And if they don't, you swung and you missed, and that's okay. But get active on the waiver wire early and often. It really paid off this year, and it pays off every year. Cordell Patterson, two years ago. He was a week one. People were like, ah, I don't know. Might have been a fluke week one. The CPAT was the waiver wire ad of the year from week one on. I mean, these guys exist early on, so don't be shy with adding guys off the waiver wire early in the season, despite how many question marks you think you may have. And I think we learned a lesson pretty early. I shouldn't say early, but at this point where I remember, you know, Jerome Ford is the number one pickup of the week because Nick Chubb went down and everyone was saying, I'd use up like 90% of my fab money. We probably need to learn a little bit how to be a little more smart. Uh, on the we fab need to be allocation. more cost effective with our fat money. Right, right. 
but we can't fault the thought process because at the time no. it was one of the best roles for Jerome Ford going, you know, that he was going into and stuff. So like you said, do not be afraid to spend, be wise, but do not be afraid to spend early or just to go throw a claim in even if you don't use fab, just go get those guys. Yeah. Go throwing claims on all those guys. Be active on the waiver wire early and often because those will be the difference makers on your team. If they're making an impact right away in the season, yeah, Cafe as the season goes on, we saw that with Puka Nakua, but they come back strong still, just like Puka did at the end of the season. So, uh, yeah, get active early and often. Spend your fab wisely, but even if you play in a league without fab, you got to try and get as many of those guys on your roster as you can. Uh, you know, the guys that you took in the you know, 12, 13, 14th round of your drafts, I'm sorry, you took them there for a reason. They're probably not going to pay. Now, you can cut ties with those guys more quicker. Uh, than you may realize. Ty, I'll kick it over to you uh, because I think we mentioned a few guys here that are going to be tied into your next piece here. So uh, let's get to the ninth lesson learned from the 2023 season. Everyone is enthralled with the rookies that are coming into the league and especially in fantasy football. This is your reminder, really, because we have been preaching this. Rookies like Puka and Sam Laporta are the exceptions to rookie performances. They are not the expectation. Okay. Rookie expect or rookie exceptions are the ones that can hit the ground running from the beginning of the season. Maybe have some flutters in the middle of the season, but then they finish strong at the end of the year. Like you were saying earlier, Puka Nakua, Sam Laporta, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and I'm not talking about talent. I, I, we are not talking about talent where we're talking about all these guys, but in fantasy performances, they hit the ground running and they pretty much maintain a, a, a pace for, you know, throughout the year. That's not normal. And if anything, what you need to expect from your rookie, if you take a rookie in a draft is that your rookie is going to either not see the field a whole lot, or struggle first half of the season. Okay. The normal trajectory for rookies is that they take off at about halfway in the season. Okay. Jameer Gibbs, the very, the the first name that came to mind when I was thinking about this, Jameer Gibbs, first six weeks of the season, he was the running back 38, averaging less than 10 fantasy points a game. From week seven on, He was the running back three, averaging 19 and a half fantasy points. Now let's look at some wide receivers. Rasheed Rice of the Kansas City Chiefs. Weeks one to 11, the wide receiver 42, 10 fantasy points per game. So you're probably stashing him on your bench at this point. Week 12 on, the wide receiver four, 18 and a half fantasy points per game. Tank Dell. I'm going to love getting all the Rasheed Rice I can at the the late fourth round next year. Oh my gosh. He's Amon Ra 2.0. He is in a good uh, offense and a great. Yeah. Well, I was about to say great. Uh, offense, it, but it's like they, it, it, it's it, good it, offense. Still, they are still a good offense with a talented quarterback throwing yes. in the football and the only option continue. I'm going to try to redeem myself here when it comes to tank Dell. Um, <laughs> we Dell tank. weeks one through eight. He was the wide receiver. 51, a little over 11 and a half fancy points per game was his average. But in weeks nine to 12, before he got hurt, the wide receiver three, 23 and a half fantasy points per game. Last rookie wide receiver for you, Zay Flowers. Weeks one to 11, 
the wide receiver 32, little less, quite literally like 0.1 point less than 11 phase points per game because he had some games where he popped off, but then there were other games where he's only putting up three points and you're like, well, what the heck is this? Week 12 to the end of the fantasy season, I should say till week 17, because again, there are some of you that play till week 18, but weeks 12 to 17, he's been the wide receiver 18, 17.3 fantasy points per game. And the only reason why it's wide receiver 18 and not higher averaging that amount of points is because they had a bye week. And then he had a week where he only put up like one point something points. But on all the other games, he had four games with at least 19 and a half fantasy points. I think the lesson that I I at least learned when it comes to rookies, because I've always never put the, you know, I've never expected a lot from a rookie unless you are a generational talent. Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Bijan Robinson, right? Those are guys that you expect a lot of. But if anything, I think next year, I'm going to be taking less rookies in my drafts unless they are really that special in talent. And we're going to go look to buy low on them at some point in the beginning half of the season because everyone's going to be like, well, why aren't they panning out? Knowing that they will, they just need time to either get involved, break through in the offense, somehow, shape, or, you know, however that yep. looks. I'm going to be looking to buy low on rookies next year. Yeah, that that's a great takeaway, I think. Uh, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigbo is the one that I was all over at the midway point in the season, but obviously that has not panned out. Uh, and... Again, part of it is you look at the offenses that they're in too. Like JSN hasn't been a great offense in Seattle this year, but I think you're 100% right. Rookies are not these guys who are going to hit the ground running. They actually have to get adjusted to the NFL. And I notice how a lot of the guys, they aren't they weren't the first round guys. They weren't Quentin Johnston. They weren't Jordan Addison. They weren't JSN. Say Flowers made the list, but you're 100% right. We got to practice patience on these rookies. They're not going to pan out right away. The, the guys who hit the ground running right away and are you know, top 10 on the season, they are the exception, 100%. And we need to remind ourselves of that. The last takeaway that I'll get into here, and I'll, I'll try and keep it short and sweet because it does tie in similar to ties as well. Look, as a fantasy football manager, you have to practice patience. I know you want to go 17-0. I know you want to try and win as many games as possible and you want to draft the best team possible. But there were... So many players this year that people were ready to write off way too quickly. Through the first four weeks of this year, you brought up Jameer Gibbs, Ty. He was the running back 26. C.D. Lamb. Uh, there was even players in week two that we were, you know, people are like, oh my gosh, I panic on A.J. Brown because he hasn't put up a double-digit point week yet. And then he drops, you know, 38 in week three. But I focus on the first four weeks. It feels a little more holistic. You know, C.D. Lamb was a wide receiver 13. People were like, you know, he hasn't been as good as his ADP. Rashad White, he was a running back 21. Brees Hall, he was a running back 32. DeAndre Hopkins, he was a wide receiver 45. Jalen Waddle, the wide receiver 55. But then you look from week seven on, the second half of the season that we talk about, Ty, now Jameer Gibbs, a running back three. CeeDee Lamb, the overall wide receiver one. Rashad White, the running back two. Brees Hall, the running back four. Jalen Waddle, the wide receiver 22. Uh, Jalen Waddle, a little bit of a disappointment, but... This is just the short list of players who bounced back and had strong second halves of the season. But four weeks in, and a lot of those guys were already being written off. I don't want them on my team anymore. I'm a, I may as well just sell them for what I can get. 17 weeks might not seem like a long time in fantasy football, but I 
I promise you the fantasy football season is more than four to five weeks. I, I promise you. Every single year, it will be at least 17 weeks. So instead of just writing off a talented player like C.D. Lamb, Jameer Gibbs, Jalen Waddle, like have the patience to stick it out. Wait for someone, if you are, if you do really want to deal them, wait for someone in to sweep in with an offer on a player that you actually believe in, that you think can actually make up for the lack of production that you may get for the next two weeks. Otherwise, you got to stick it out. You got to have patience because the season, the, the fantasy football season is more than four to five weeks. You're, you can be 0-4 and still make the playoffs. You can turn your We do a video on it every single year. And I hate to say it, Ty. I've been right both years. The, the tips that I have, imp- I don't want to pat myself on the back, but like the tips that are implemented there help people turn their leagues around. You can make the playoffs and win your league. If you start out 0-4 and you have a bunch of guys where you're like, crap, they all actually stink. But guess what? They're probably going to get better. So practice patience in your league. Yes, you want to make trades, but you also don't want to go out and just sell. If you sold Jameer Gibbs for pennies on the dollar, you are absolutely kicking yourself right now. Simple as that. Practice patience. Practice patience. The thing is, it's the NFL. Okay? Anything can happen on any given Sunday. Players can have bad games and it stinks when you're a wide receiver stinks when you're a running back because you are, because I mean, let's think about this. Football is a team game. Wide receiver needs his quarterback. A quarterback needs his offensive line. A running back needs his offensive line. One of those doesn't play well. It's probably going to be a bad performance then for the other guy, which stinks. But guess what? That's the NFL. So just know that there is literally no perfect player maybe besides Christian McCaffrey because what that guy has done this year is absolutely right insane bonkers bonkers but again there is no perfect NFL player there is no perfect fantasy option everyone can have a bad game at any given moment There you go. The top 10 lessons learned from the 2023 fantasy football season. If there's a lesson that you learned that we didn't cover, hey, drop it down in the comment section below. Uh, There are a lot of things that we didn't cover, a lot of things that happened this year that we didn't get a chance to talk about. So if we miss something, you're like, you know what? Next year, I'm remembering this. I learned this from this year, and I want to apply it next year. Drop it down in the comment section below if you're over on YouTube. Leave that as a reminder for yourself. There's so many things that we can take away from this year and prepare ourselves better for the 2024 season. Is there anything that we missed that we should have covered? Um, Let's take that as probably tune. No, I was going to say to probably tune into all of our lives that we do every Sunday. You know, just oh, to, oh there you go. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Next year you can put those on your calendar. That's why you should be subscribed and turn on those notifications as well, because you'll know when Ty goes live. You'd be like, oh, you know what? Just go hop on that live. I like hanging out with Ty on a Sunday morning. I like hanging out with a fellow on a Sunday morning. Ty, Ty's been carrying the load on those. So, Ty, we are grateful for you. Uh, I've been mixing in with Fancy Pros a little bit, and Cameron, you know, and he's just sobbing in misery because uh, he, he can't. He, he can't look us in the face this year. No, he can't. <laughs> we took him down. I took him down the third place game too. Oh, in another league that we're all in together. Not his year, man. Not his year. All right, he needs. He needs to uh, be humbled by. Uh, some real competitors. He, he had it too easy for too many years. True. Well, there it is. The top 10 takeaways from the 2023 fantasy football season. Thanks so much for tuning in. 
You can follow me and Tyler on X. I'm at Lucas Wenzel, Tyler underscore Plath for Tyler. We'll be back later this week with a week 18 preview for all of you who play in week 18. I would advise your commissioner to not do that, but we still want to make sure you all get advice from us. And we, we want to make sure we see you out there. Even though we don't agree with your commissioner strategy, we see you out there. We want to make sure we help you win your league as well. So we'll be back later in the week reviewing every start and sit decision that you need to make in week 18. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy. Until then, deuces. Deuces.